Hello and welcome back to the Will and Rob Show. I'm Will Stockdale. Robert Hassler is not with us today. Uh, he is taking the week off, although I will make sure that he edits this so he won't totally get the week off. But it's me right now. Uh, we're here and I'm here with Michael Langer. So far on this podcast, we have used it as a space to discuss faith and culture and current events, everything from the beginning of coronavirus to imagination to the situation with George Floyd and our nationwide unrest. Um, This week, we're going to be kind of making a pivot. Normally, every summer for the past um, 10 to 15 years, Ministry to State has been hosting a summer interns program called Commons. Uh, Commons has been a vehicle and a means to minister and feed and encourage college students who are working on the Hill and in government organizations around D.C. Typically, we gather on Tuesday nights in someone's home for a home-cooked meal and have a speaker and fellowship. And after the speaker uh, shares their story and tells about life in D.C., we normally have a session of Q&A. And this has served as a way for us to uh, build community and provide support for these young men and women. And with the events of COVID-19 and uh, the shutdown, things have changed and interns are not on the Hill yet. We might have some later in the summer, Uh, but because we had a great list of speakers lined up and a bunch of people we were excited to hear from, we wanted to continue on with uh, hosting them uh, because we believe in the ministry of, Commons, we wanted to continue to hear from these speakers and want to use the medium of the Will and Rob show to put that message out there. So this week, uh, I am really excited to have on Michael Langer. Michael Langer is the Associate Director of Ministry to State and heads up our DC ministry. Um, I'm going to let him share about himself and some of his background, but just before that, he is a huge Iowa Hawkeyes fan. I think that probably is the first thing to mention. Uh, major Janis Joplin fan, and I discovered this because I misspoke and made, you know, put down to Janis, and it was a it was egregious apparently. Uh, and a church planner. So, Michael, if you were to get an opportunity, which you have right now, to introduce yourself and share a little about your story, uh, what would you say? Wow, um, I would say, yeah, I feel like most of the time lately, I'm feel like I'm the most fortunate guy on the planet. Uh, My wife and I just celebrated 30 years of marriage. I've had an opportunity to see some of my favorite recording artists live and in concert. And I am leading a ministry that I did not know existed three and a half years ago in Washington, D.C. And I feel in many ways like this is the ministry that the Lord has been preparing me to do the rest of my life. And I'm thrilled to do it. And then, I mean, really, let's be honest, the thing that makes it so amazing is I've got you and you and Rob and, you know, your I mean, you were really struggling before we got here. So I just, you were going to shut it down. I mean, we were, we were days away from shutting it down and then you guys showed up and said, Hey, we could do a podcast. And I said, Right, right, right. All right, we'll, we'll give it another couple of weeks and see how it goes. It's amazing the way history <laughs> can be rewritten on the fly. So in addition to that, I have four kids. My wife right now is in South Dakota visiting our oldest daughter who's married. Uh, her husband, Casey, is going to medical school in South Dakota. I have a daughter 
Libby, who lives in St. Louis, uh, graduated with an art degree. I have a son in the room right next door to me who graduated from high school last year, uh, works on the Hill for a, a congressman. And I have a daughter who will be a senior, and she currently uh, nannies for two different families here in Washington, D.C. So, oh, and we have a cat. Yeah, Daphne. I was, I was hoping you were going to mention oh. Daphne. I guess, and you also have planted two churches, correct? Yeah, I, I have. I planted, so when I, I went to seminary in 2004, and prior to that, I had spent 15 years selling process measurement equipment to chemical plants, which is, you know, really kind of, the, it lays the groundwork for future ministry. Went to seminary in 2004, had grown up in eastern Iowa, in and around Iowa City, went to seminary really willing to do anything that the Lord called me to as long as it involved not church planting and not going back to Iowa. And anybody who's been around Christianity long enough knows that, that how that works out. I ended up going back to Iowa City and planting a church in my hometown. Was there for six and a half amazing years. If you ever have the opportunity to, to plant a church in an economic disaster and a natural disaster, you should, you know, see if there are any other options available, but that's what we did. Uh, from 2008 to 2015, we planted that church, and by the Lord's grace, they're still there. They have a, now have a church building in the middle of downtown Iowa City, right across from the University of Iowa, and the most prestigious creative writing program in the world, the Iowa Writers Workshop. I left there, and I replanted a church in Chicago and kind of untethered it from the paradigm it was planted in. It was planted in a kind of multi-site model. And we, during our three years there, we kind of untethered it and made it its own contextual church. It was very different than the original planting church. And that church is there as well. And, you know, as Providence would have it, have it while we were there, my favorite baseball team, the Chicago Cubs, won the World Series. And then I moved here in 2018. And since I've been here, uh, let's see, the Mystics have won the WNBA championship. Capitals have won the hockey championship. And the Nationals have won a baseball championship. So I'm, I'm not saying that I'm bringer of good tidings and great joy but you know experience fact, shows people. i'm just saying look right at the there. Fact. yeah so this would have been your third <laughs> summer of commons 2020 this this is the third summer of commons this, thank and you. each of them have looked different so that that's my first question for you this is i visited last summer and got to catch a glimpse of it and i got to speak with a bunch of students who had been involved with commons and I was overwhelmingly encouraged by their feedback, how much it meant to them. I was excited about the opportunity to do this biblical world and life view formation with them and to hear the way that it provided a space for Christians and skeptics and seekers alike to gather. But from you, I would just love to hear what you've seen in these first two years of comments, how you've seen it flow and how you've seen it um, interact with interns and what you think it's been doing well uh, in their lives. Yeah, wow, that's great. The, the thing I think that a, I wouldn't say stunned me because I probably should have expected this, but it was definitely 
uh, eye-opening, and that is the college students who come here to Washington, D.C. To, to work as interns, they are amazingly smart. Now, I attended the University of Iowa back in the 80s. I switched my major multiple times my freshman year until I finally settled on binge drinking and was able to, you know, kind of complete the course requirements early in my second semester, took some time off, came back, you know, settled down. But what strikes me is how, one, very knowledgeable they are, very well read, and also very, very driven, not in an overwhelming kind of like get out of my way manner, but in a way that says, I have come here to do something so that I can prepare myself for what's next. And they seem to have much more kind of clarity about where they're headed than I ever did when I was 21 or 22 years old. It's been wonderful to be a part of that, to see these young people come to Washington, D.C., working in no not just congressional offices on the hill but also in various agencies offices off the hill so yeah i would say for sure that has probably been the part of it that i have enjoyed the most is just seeing these young people come to washington dc just ready and eager to to learn and to serve and with where they are this looking to prepare for their future, a very driven, thoughtful group of people. Where does Commons come in and intersect with that? So where does Commons step in and the message in order to meet them with Christianity, the gospel of the kingdom of Jesus Christ, in order to, to spur them on and to fuel them? Well, I mean, there's a lot of intentionality to how Commons got started. So Chuck Garriott, who actually started Ministry to State, almost 18 years ago now, had a vision for reaching people in Washington, D.C. who were serving on the Hill and in various cabinet agencies and to come alongside them and offer both outreach to, to seekers and skeptics, as you said earlier, to offer discipleship, to offer community and connection, to be able to pray for them. And then one of the things that you realize is every year there's, there's always interns in Washington, D.C., year-round. But in the summer, that gets multiplied by a factor of 20, 30, or 40. There's just thousands and thousands of interns descend on Washington, D.C. to do work here. And they're very unique because they're, they're not kind of officially working here. They're not full-time staff people. They have huge careers ahead of them. And yet they're coming in here often, sometimes in, into unpaid internships and sometimes into paid internships, which, you know, for all intents and purposes, as expensive as Washington is, could be an unpaid internship. Right, right. And, and they're being asked to do things that are, shall we say, way below their station. Being asked to go get, you know, copier paper, to get coffee, to make the coffee, to answer the phone who walk around and get signatures for, for various bills, you know, whatever it is, they're doing the work that nobody in the office really wants to do and maybe even should be doing. And so, you know, the kind of joke that we, I wouldn't say the joke, but the, the paradigm that we see happens pretty frequently as they come here 
is they come here and they're like, okay, I'm ready to do amazing work. I'm going to change the world in my 12 week or six week internship. And Washington's going to be better for me having been there. And the first two weeks they come to Commons, they're, they're right in that place. And the benefit of Commons is that we know that that's where they are. And then as the third, fourth, and fifth weeks come, and they've been answering the phone for a few weeks, listening to people, shall we say, not encourage their life choices or the life choices of the people that they're working for. Sometimes with very vulgar and crass language, when you know they maybe have been at Brown or Columbia or UVA or the University of Iowa, and they're being told the, co the copier is empty. And the part of them wants to say, hey, do you know I have a 3.8 or I'm an honors student in this and these are who my professors are and this is the scholarship I have and why do you, why do you have me here doing these things? That there's this kind of reality that sinks into them that they're not going to change the world in six weeks. And that sometimes leads to confusion, disappointment, disillusionment, not always, but sometimes, about what they had expected. And so one of the things that Commons is, I would say, has really gotten good at is kind of knowing where they're coming from and knowing where they're coming to and knowing where their expectations are and what would be the most helpful thing to be able to pastor them and shepherd them and encourage them and love them while they're here. So you know, there's a lot of ways that we do that. And you saw this uh, last year. One of the most important ways when I would walk into one of the offices and say, hey, we're having this program, it's commons. Here's the ministry that we are. Immediately, radar goes up. You know, what is this? Are you some lobbying organization? You know, where are you headed for this politically? But the way that you get those radars to go back down and to get a different set go up is you say, well, you know, we meet every week and we always have a home-cooked meal and immediately you can tell who all the interns in the office are because they all look at you immediately and say, can I come? <laughs> so just providing that opportunity for connection over a meal is just a wonderful way to really kind of meet their needs immediately, which is I need to eat and it would be great if I could meet some people on the hill. And so we, that's kind of really is the foundation of what we do. And then we move, we move after the first hour, usually having a speaker that comes and speaks about their life on the Hill from, you know, various perspectives to kind of equip and encourage them. And so just trying to put all of those things together and know that, you know, as a college student, you know, you really do have a lot of knowledge, but maybe you don't have a ton of wisdom yet. And you're also, hungry and need friends. Mm -hmm. So that's kind of what Commons tries to do. Right. And as you're talking about that, this idea of growing throughout life and wisdom, very smart people, but we also just, it takes time to learn the grain of the universe of, of how things work and what wisdom and action looks like. And uh, you do, you lead Bible studies on and off the Hill. You have, you have groups that you minister to. I mean, they're all in government. Um, but my question is, how do you see something like Commons being beneficial to people who have interned and then have come back to work in more career positions 
in the U.S. government? Yeah, so again, I would just say that, you know, one of the things that Commons works hard on and that Ministry to State also, you know, we work, this is one of our focuses, is how do we disciple people who have already made a decision to follow Christ? And one of the things that, you know, I frequently go to is studies by the Barna Group. And so the Barna Group did a study of last year or so, and what they did is they polled people about their thoughts about, about the Bible. And between 2011 and 2019, the number of people who said, I never used the Bible, went from 25% to 37%, which is roughly a 50% increase. But then when they drilled down into that number of people who said, sure, I, I use the Bible sometimes, what they found is that only 5% of the people who said, yes, I do use the Bible, said that they interact with it frequently and that it transforms their relationships and their choices. But then they drilled down even further. And this is really kind of what I think ministry to state helps interns to do is they said, okay, well, let's talk about how you interact with the Bible, wherever you're at on the spectrum of people who say, yeah, sure, I use the Bible. When they ask the question, does the Bible help you with your awareness of how much you need God, your sense of connection to God, and your curiosity to know God better, the positive response rates were in the 80% range, high 80% range, which is great. We want people to know that as they're reading the Bible, interacting with it, it's helping them in their relationship to God. Then they asked another set of questions. They said, do you believe that the Bible influences how you think about people of different races, your support for people being displaced by conflict, your decisions made at work or school, and decisions made about sex and sexuality? Those response rates fell into the teens and low 20s which tells you that there are a lot of people coming to Washington, because this is not a study on Washington, this is a study about national people, but people from across the nation are the people coming to Washington, D.C. And so what happens is you get a fair number, proportionately and statistically, of people who come here and saying, I know the Bible, I'm a Christian, I love Jesus, and the Bible has really helped me to grow in my relationship, and it's great to be here, to be with other people, to connect with them. But when you begin to ask them, so how should you think about this issue? How would you deal with this place conflict? How do you deal with being asked to do something that you feel is really far below your station and ability? How do you interact with people who disagree with you? that suddenly using the Bible as the paradigm for how you do that is, an, is a new concept or it's an uncultivated concept. So the issues of the workplace that they face when they come here to do commons, the realizing that when I get into the workplace, I'm not going to start off on the top. I'm going to start off probably closer to the bottom than the top. And you know this. One of the ways that Washington works is very much kind of like the military in that you start off as a private. You do not show up in the office and say, 
hi, here are my degrees, so can I be the chief of staff? <laughs> they just left you right out of the office and they say, no, but we do have an internship here for you. You can sign letters and mail them out. And if you don't like that, then go do something else. And so it's the process of kind of learning how to deal with workplace conflicts, how to deal with being asked to do things that you feel below or below your station, and how to, how to work through major political and philosophical issues in a biblical way that appropriates knowledge is not something they can just use in Washington, D.C., but they use it wherever they go, because wherever they go, there will be people. In line with that, our theme verse for this summer is uh, 2 Corinthians 10.5, and the second half, which is, and take every thought captive to obey Christ. And the reason uh, I wanted to use this verse was because I think this can often be used when just speaking about sin issues, how do we handle uh, sanctification uh, and the sense of avoiding sin and pushing sin out of our lives. But I think this verse also has a very real sense of how do I take in this flood of thoughts and ideas and beliefs and, and ambitions and drives that are coming into my heart and mind uh, all these thoughts that are facing me every day, how do I take them and how do I make them submissive to Christ? How do I allow my heart and mind, my imagination to be shaped and molded so that I am in line with what Christ has for me? And what I want to ask you is, how do you, how, how is this verse in, in your mind helpful to college students looking to intern on the Hill? Wow, yeah, that's that's a fantastic question, actually. So every year we bring in a variety of various speakers who speak to and challenge the students in various ways. One one of my favorites, she she's done it two years, uh, or in the past two years she's done it, and she used to be one of the administrative chiefs for the Senate Majority Whip, and she would bring her husband with her. Uh, and he was the chief chief information officer for the Department of Energy. So your basic Washington power couple. And he would just talk about, you know, life on the hill and what it's like. And one of the things that she said, the first time she said it, I felt awkward, like maybe I should step in. But then I realized that it had landed perfectly. And then when I heard her say it the next year, I thought, okay, I'm, I'm not going to be as troubled this time when she says this. But one of the things she said is, look, you know, when you, when you come to your chief of staff or your intern coordinator and you say, don't you know who I am? I don't want to be doing this thing. I'm, I'm being underutilized. You need to know a couple things. One, we don't care. And two, we do know. We understand that. Washington is a place where you come to serve. And so if you don't want to serve, you should probably find any other job where you could make a lot more money. Because here, the posture starts with service. But then she pivoted to talk about how important the getting the career paper is, the walking around the halls and getting signatures the attending a hearing and writing up a briefing for the hearing to give to the policy person so the policy person can give it to the chief so the chief can give it to the congressperson. And what she said was, listen, you, you have a misplaced sense of work. 
you think that the only work that matters is the work that's done by somebody other than you. And you need to remember that as you move through life, there will be people who work for you. And you need to understand that their work matters. And that when you become the chief of staff, if you think to yourself, you know, as the chief of staff, it's really important for me to um, answer every phone call that comes in and to catalog it and then to walk around the hill getting signatures for things. That would just be a really bad use of your time as a chief, right? And so when you're there as an intern and you're doing that work, you are allowing the staff assistant and the policy director and the legislative director, the comms director, and the congressman to do things that utilize their time in the best possible way. And as she said that, I thought, boy, this is, this, the theology of this comment is so rich, right? One of the things that we tell ourselves, especially when we're younger, is someday I'll be able to make a difference. Someday I'll have a title and then, then I'll be able to do something important. And, you know, when we take every thought captive, we understand that all work is offered as worship to Christ. He doesn't say, well, all you did is empty garbage cans. That's, that's not impressive for me. I, you know, do something else better than that. No, that's an important thing, and the Lord receives that as worship. And we're a hostess at the Mexican restaurant, and we seat people in such a way that the kitchen doesn't get overwhelmed and that people's food comes out on time so that they get good Google reviews and the restaurant gets more traffic and the waiters and waitresses make more money. Then that's a good thing. And instead of just saying, oh, it's the business owner that's really worshiping, it's the chef who's worshiping by his wonderful ability to cook food, but to say, no, actually, it's, it's the bus people and hostess that are serving. And so taking every thought captive allows us to say, the thought that goes on in my head that tells me I don't matter, I need to do something to manipulate to get my way ahead. That's the way to go. Taking every thought captive says, no, this is worship, what I'm doing right now. It's, it also is taking every thought captive to say, oh, well, clearly the chief of staff likes that intern better than me. What can I do to get noticed more? What can I do to make that intern not look as good as I look? And taking every thought captive says, nope, it's, it's not my job here to make my name great. It's my job here to make the name of the Lord be glorified. So I'm not worried about those things. And those seem maybe like small things, like maybe taking every thought captive should actually be regarding a policy decision. But I don't think you can get to the taking every thought captive regarding a policy question unless you've started with how to take every thought captive regarding coming in at the bottom in a posture of service, dealing with workplace politics, and understanding that the evil one is working in your head full time to redirect you away from where God would, would want you to go. 
it reminds me a lot of what Jesus said and him telling us to be faithful with little first. It starts with the the small measures of faithfulness and then grows. Well, Michael, thanks for coming on and being our guest today. Um, we are out of time, but thank you for tuning in uh, next week. We're excited to have a Hill staffer on as our guest talk about uh, her first year of life on the Hill after she was involved with Commons as an intern. Um, you can follow us on Twitter. You can follow Robert Hassler at RD Hassler. You can follow me at Stockdale Will, although I do not post super often. And then you can follow Michael Langer. Michael, what is your handle? Yeah, my handle is Rev Michael DC. Rev Michael DC. All right, well, thank you so much for tuning in, and we'll see you next week.